Siobhan Lonergan is Chief Brand Officer at Thinks in New York City. And Thinks is a period underwear brand. And what that basically means is that they, they produce uh, underwear that absorbs your period. It, in essence, it's washable, it's reusable, and it, um, it replaces the need for, for pads or tampons. The challenge for the brand, obviously, is this isn't really about getting you from, from one brand of pads to another brand of pads. This is getting you to abandon pads or tampons in favor of a whole new set of behaviors. And that's obviously a, a, a tough challenge to do, and they, they have a recognition of that. The question that many may ask is, is going directly at the issue of period taboos the best way to break into that market? That if you get, if you get society, men and women, talking more comfortably about, uh, about periods, does that really influence the changing of behavior? And, and that's the question that I think uh, thinks is strongly considering. And it's good for us as strategists to be considering too. The, the, um, the approach that they've taken with this menstruation campaign, which really sort of poses the question, what if all of us had periods? Um, it's really sort of going after a, uh, a, a beachhead, going after the early adopters, those who are out there and more open to sort of alternatives and alternative solutions, those who may be more sustainably minded, uh, recognizing that there's an awful lot of, of, uh, of, um, of waste as associated with pads and tampons as they're, as they're thrown in the trash. And, uh, and I think, um, I think uh, Siobhan would agree that, that they've, they've achieved that sort of a beachhead amongst early adopters, but they also recognize that there's a significant challenge ahead in terms of product education and getting more women comfortable with the idea of wearing period underwear. Uh, I think they've shown extraordinary creativity working with BBDO New York, uh, who were uh, a, uh, indirectly a part of the uh, Viva La Vulva and the uh, body form work that we've done other interviews of. And that was done out of the BBDO London office. So they get the category, they get the dynamics. The ultimate question is going to be, how do you drive such significant um, uh, consumer behavior change uh, in the mass market? And that will determine... Uh, the degree to which uh, thinks is a long-term success. So it's a great conversation. Uh, the work is fantastic. And uh, this is, uh, is thinks. Enjoy. Welcome, Siobhan. Great to have you, an Irish lady, on the uh, show today. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Fergus. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be on the show. So it's actually interesting. I don't think many people know that I'm, because I have no credibility, uh, I, that I'm actually, I was born in Dublin, Ireland, and I came over here uh, when I was 20. So it's, uh, you have the fabulous accent. I just sound like I don't belong anywhere. So most of the time I have my accent, you'll see me wandering in different words here and there, but, uh, mostly I keep my accent. So how long have you been here by the way? 16 years at this point, you know, I came over expecting to stay in New York for two or three years and here I am 16 years later. I love it. That's great. So uh, this this brand got on my radar because of this this work, and I'm really excited to have a chance to talk with you about it. Can you sort of start us off by talking about where the Thinks name came from and and what inspired the entire product concept? So there are a few strategies where the Thinks name came from. Uh, I joined the company in 2017, and the name precedes me, but. Um, from what I can gather, the name means smart tech. The X in the thinks word stands for tech. 
And it's very indicative of the category femtech, which uh, as a word was found, was coined itself in 2016. And that includes products and services that use technology focusing on uh, female health. Is it partly the idea of we got to think through things or rethink things, I suppose? Rethink or think about things in a different way. And, you know, uh, going to our product concept, this category has been around, you know, since over 100 years. And when we look at the history, there's been no product innovation since 1937. That's when the menstrual cup was developed. And uh, obviously with disposables, there's been a lot of work to talk about uh, wings and advances within that technology, but there's been no radical innovation until 2013 when we launched period underwear. Was period underwear used in a more of a medical, um, in hospitals or in some sort of medical um, context? And then sort of you guys took that and transitioned it over? Or, or did it just not exist at all? It didn't underwear? exist at all. It existed in a disposable format. And what we have is period underwear, which is washable and reusable. And it can be worn as a complete replacement to traditional period products. So... Uh, just to give you some context, the average person uses 11,000 products in their lifetime. And that's all single-use plastic going into landfills. Our product allows you to wear it as regular underwear, wash and reuse. And that can last up to two years for each particular product. So so Thinks comes on the scene in uh, in. Which year? Twenty? When was it? Twenty fifteen or? Uh, I would say that the idea and the product really started at, in two thousand and thirteen, but it wasn't until two thousand fifteen that we, we became came uh, known on the market, and that really um, was spearheaded by a two thousand fifteen subway campaign that we had. The campaign was very simple. It uh, had images of eggs and grapefruits that represented the menstrual cycle. And those were juxtaposed to images of our product on uh, very naturally shot models. And the caption was for women with periods. And this was the first time periods had ever been mentioned. The word period had ever been mentioned in the subway in New York City. There were women featured in those wearing the underwear, but it, it wasn't it wasn't overtly promoting the product. It was more it was more dealing with the issue of menstruation, right? Yeah. And I think that's a core element to all of our brand marketing and communications, the idea of starting a conversation and we use our branding and our visual identity to really create that magnetic impact at first point. And so because it was a new product, we're creating a new category, we needed to somehow draw the consumer in. And so uh, we created this campaign almost to stop people in their tracks and rethink the category, rethink how they were using current products and, uh, you know, start to build a brand from that point. Thinking back to then, um, were there ideas on the table that were a little more, more subtle, ones that had a little more of an edge and you ended up in the middle? Or, or tell us about what you had to consider back then. I think as a startup, you have to display different tactics as a company in growth mode or a company that's been established over time. So as, as a startup, 
your first port of call is to make an impact. And, uh, you know, a, a more conservative campaign wouldn't have moved the needle there. We needed to have something that felt provocative and thought-provoking and also beautiful. It needed to have a magnetism so that it would draw people in. So, yeah, um, I think there was a, it was a no-brainer that we were going to go big and hard on our first campaign, and, and that, that's really what launched us. In fact, that was our first $100,000 day as a brand, so that was a huge cause for celebration. I think when we look back on that from where we are today, when we look at w- what you did with menstruation and what what uh, uh, Labress has done with Viva La Volva and Body Form, it now feels sort of subtle. Uh, yeah. But at the time, it, 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 was it considered subtle or was it controversial? It was completely controversial. You know, it put us on the map. We got so many press hits, but also it wasn't a slam dunk. The first time we shared the concepts with our agency, media agency, and the MTA, who are the governing body of the subway, they rejected the ads. <laughs> um, so it wasn't straightforward, you know. And again, as a struggling brand, you know, uh, we had to continue with those conversations because this was a make or break for us. So what we did was we went to our community and we'd started to build a very loyal following in New York City and we tweeted at them to ask the MTA to allow our ad to, to exist. And then within a few days, uh, we got permission and we launched the ad. But it wasn't without um, a, a struggle. And, and again, that's why um, because of who we are and because of our mission, which is to break taboos around the period stigma, you know, it was really necessary for us to fight for that moment and to have that success. And I believe that we paved the way for many brands that have since exhibited on the subway and have had some, some success there. So taking us back to, to the subway, the, these are sort of posters that run. Is there, is there a film that's running online or is it, is it more of a print and poster campaign at that point? It was a print and poster campaign, but we followed it up uh, with another campaign in 2016 where we featured a trans model wearing a product that was designed specifically for the trans community. And with that, we also did a video that came out online. And it was the combination of the out-of-home and the press that we were getting around the subject matter that had augmented it once again within uh, the realms of our community. So I would say that... Um, w- you know, again, it's the combination of both those things, context, uh, provocation, and channel to kind of bring those three things together to really make an impact. So what was behind the decision to include a, a trans person? Um, so as I mentioned earlier, when we went to the subway first, our tagline was for women with periods. Uh, and we, through social media, got a lot of pushback from the trans community, said that not only women have periods, trans people also have periods. So, you know, as a young brand, you're always learning and you're always iterating and you're taking feedback and you're implementing on that. So we went back to the drawing board and we realized that, you know, firstly, we're going to have to change our language. So we moved from, from women with periods, periods to from, for people with periods. But then we also knew that we had to be more authentic than that and we needed to solve a problem. So we created a product called the Boy Short which uh, was designed specifically to cater to the trans community. And then within our next campaign, we featured that model 
wearing that boy short and again in the New York subway. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, so um, tell us about where, where you are from, from 2015 to 16 in terms of uh, sales and in terms, or in terms of awareness, because there's a lot of challenges with this category. It can have provocative campaigns uh, and it can have fresh and new and original work. But ultimately, this isn't about switching from one brand to another. This is, you know, you're, you're, you're creating all new behaviors. And I think there's this sense in marketing circles that behavior is the toughest thing to change. I'm not sure that's true, but it's certainly a challenge. But So tell us about where, where it went from 15 to 16 in terms of awareness and then sort of conversion to, to sales. We've been very successful reaching early adopters, largely on the east-west coast, people that are always on the go looking for new solutions and willing to try new things. And so we've, we've done a really good job there. But, you know, when we think about uh, the U.S. and the globe at, at a bigger mass level, you know, there are a lot of different levels of demographics that we haven't reached yet. So has it surprised you that that behavior hasn't changed to the degree that you would like it to? Or is that, has that always been sort of expected as being the major hurdle? I think that is actually one of the biggest unknowns that we have. So, again, there's no playbook for this category. You know, we, we're launching the category as such. So, you know, as a brand and a business, there's no real line of sight in how many touch points it's going to create. We're going to need to create conversion. So um, that's one thing that we're constantly working on. And our, all our data and insights right now are showing that there is a gap in consumer knowledge. So that's what we're working on as a focus. When you talk about the early adopters, what have you noticed about the characteristics of a woman who's, an, who, who's becoming an early adopter? Have you noticed anything in terms of yeah. attitudes, in terms of age, and, and psychographics, or, or however you would label it? Who I, could talk, I could talk directly to our customer, who is largely millennial, uh, average age around 27, um, urban slash suburban has some disposable income, is interested in new products, is really uh, interested in self-care and finding better products that really deliver against her values. Um, Also, somebody that is more sustainably minded as well and that is going to go the extra mile to find a product or pay even a higher price to be a little bit more sustainable. You know, I I watched the other day, there was a video I watched on YouTube which I think followed the menstruation spot, but it was about, it was a uh, sort of a testimonial type social, uh, social influencer piece. I don't, it didn't sound like it was coming from you guys, but it may have been. But I mean, I think there was the idea of using this, using the underwear in different ways. It's not, it may not necessarily be for your heavy days, but it may be for light days and may be used in conjunction with, with a pad. Is that, is that the way you guys think about it? Or are you just like, it, it just should, it can exist alone by itself every, during every day of a period cycle. Yeah, well, two things. Um, firstly, we launched initially with a moderate, our, our highest absorbency was moderate and it absorbs up to two tampons worth. And last year we launched a new product, which we call Super, and it now holds up to four tampons worth, which is our unit of measurement. And that now has given us the permission to go out and say that we're a complete replacement, that we have a range of solutions for any level of flow, whether you're light or heavy. 
So it's interesting that you said influencer because, again, that's a really key part of our strategy. We've actually really invested in uh, micro-influencers dedicated to specific topics and campaigns, but we also have a very strong uh, brand ambassador program where we've recruited 240 thinks leaders. That's what we call them. And we engage them to talk about our products to our community, communities on social media and via a microsite that's linked to our URL. And uh, that's been a very successful way for us to get the knowledge out about our product in a way that feels authentic to people within communities. So uh, the other day I, I had an interview with uh, Gravity Blankets, which are these weighted blankets that, that, uh, that I think came out maybe two years or so. And not unlike you guys, they were sort of creating this category. Uh, and um, they came out in their first year really strongly. There was a lot of positive buzz around this category. And then what started to happen a year later, according to their, uh, their brand director, was that competitors just started coming out of the woodwork. And they, they uh, while they were focused so much on performance marketing, uh, Gravity Blankets were, uh, others were coming in and they were getting significantly uh, uh, undercut by price. Has that, has that started to happen to you? Are you finding that private labels are coming out? Uh, are that competitive brands are coming out and sort of complicating everything for you? We are finding that and there are a lot of new competitors both in the US and globally. Obviously, you have to keep in mind your competition, but the way we move forward is always to be at the forefront of brand communication to continually deliver really high levels of creativity with our advertising and to continually rethink how we approach context because in this day and age everything changes so quickly that you constantly have to reevaluate the context that you find yourself in and react to that. Because I can see things as being sort of on Shark Tank, you know, or, or, and I'm wondering, where did it start? Did it start from, uh, you know, like Gravity Blanket started as a Kickstarter campaign. Did you guys start off being self-funded or, or, or what was the beginning like? So, yeah, it, it was founded by three partners and uh, they came up with the idea and they worked through some initial concepts and then uh, started to work with our manufacturing company over time called MES, and they really helped develop the product to a place, and then they also invested in us. So that was really the starting point from a business perspective. What is the problem that Thinks solves for women? To provide an alternative solution to regular disposable products that can be sustainable, more comfortable, and more empowering in your daily life. Let's talk about this, the spot that started all, all of it for me, at least, which was this phenomenal uh, menstruation spot. Tell us, tell, us about, tell us about what was going on that led to this spot. Was there, was, there a, was there a recognition that there could be a little bit of a sharper message or that the messaging needed to go in a different direction or that you needed to uh, start to communicate outside of New York? What, what, was, what was being talked about? Uh, at that time, before you produced, when you started to think about where you needed to go next? Yeah. So one of our strategies for 2019 was new customer acquisition. And we realized that although we had been successful with early adopters, we really needed to get to the le next layer of population. And that's where we 
really needed to delve into mass market. And so we looked at how other young brands were really getting their word out there. And many uh, companies had been using, young companies had been using traditional techniques uh, to really get the words out in mass. And so we looked at television for the first time and decided that, you know, if we really want to tackle a mass audience, then TV is the way to go. So that really put us on a course to start to think about how would we uh, evolve our brand communication and what would that look like at a mass level. And so what did you do once you had that realization? Did you was this still working with the internal organization or creative and agency, or did you start to sort of expand the, uh, the people who could help you? So I mentioned that we have a great in-house creative team, but um, we do not have any expertise in TV. And, you know, again, if we wanted to feel really polished as the number one brand synonymous with period underwear, we needed to have a very polished professional look. So we decided this was one area that we couldn't tackle in-house. So we decided to put an RFP out for five different companies and we accepted pitches and went through the process of evaluating different agencies um, in New York City. So this is the stuff that I love, which is you've got to tell us what that was like from, from your point of view is on the client side. And uh, they, these, these, uh, these five different agencies or organizations come in and they pitch. Tell us about the, the different variants between the ideas you were seeing and, and uh, where you ended up. Obviously, we, we, we'll talk about shortly. But how were other agencies uh, addressing it? Which angles were they coming at it from? So some agencies came with ideas. Some agencies came to show us their creds. And, you know, I think that's a big differentiator when agencies bring some ideas to the table and to that first meeting it obviously changes the conversation very quickly and you start to imagine working with that agency uh, so we looked at a, a spectrum of agencies bigger agencies mid to small agencies and then production houses and uh, the spectrum was interesting because again this was our first real foray into this idea and we wanted to make sure that we found the agency that fit us as a culture and a brand, but also that uh, we could work with. And um, as I said, some agencies brought ideas, some didn't. Uh, but BBDO, who is the agency that we eventually made this menstruation piece with, uh, they they were the, it was a no brainer. You know, they launched into the problem straight away, and you know you could see from the way that they were thinking through the problem that they were the right agency for us. It was immediately a gelling of the teams. You know, for me as a chief brand officer, I'm always concerned that the teams gel together because I, I need that uh, overall creative uplift from both sides, both the agency and my internal team. So uh, it was just incredible to align so quickly with an agency that really just got things. So what was the ask that you put in your RFP? Do you remember what you were asking or what you guys defined as being the problem that needed to be solved? To get out in front of a lot more people with our product. And that meant focusing on the U.S. market and to deliver against our brand, uh, really internalizing the idea of uh, we're a brand that's on the crest of the wave of breaking taboos around 
periods and that we needed to epitomize that and bring that to life in a creative way, but also in a way that uh, uh, opened up our market for us. And so there was really um, specifics in that we wanted to make sure that the concept was emotional, but it needed to have a functional aspect to it so that we could explain our product within the context of the emotional idea. So it's interesting that, and I don't know, was Body Form already out with Blood Normal? Because that was BBDO who did that in London. Yeah, that had already existed. So was that something that they were able, that you were aware of and that they made you aware of, that, that, that they had sort of the skill set, they already kind of got the category, at least in Europe? Yeah, they also presented Viva La Volva. And again, that was one of the key information points for us that led us to realize that they were the right agency for us. No doubt about that. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And I actually, I, as I, I interviewed uh, Bridget Anger from BBDO for a show and uh, mentioned, of course, your work. And of course they love your work. And she'd mentioned that there was some sort of, there was some um, creatives basically were able to get level set because they kind of got that space and it worked out well for, for things, but there's, but I think kind of things seem to have changed around that time where there was this willingness to be, to be a little more direct, to be a little bit more provocative in, in a smart way. And it certainly, it certainly is uh, reflected in, in both brands' uh, work. Yeah. So did they in the pitch, uh, I love to dwell on these pitches because that's what I think a lot of, a lot of us planners are so uh, curious about. In, in the pitch, did they bring, um, did they bring menstruation initially or was it a conversation without creative or were there choices that were laid out in front of you at that point? Actually, I believe that they had solved the problem before they came to us. And it was really indicative of the passion behind the BBDO team. You know, they talked to us anecdotally about how many people wanted to be on that team uh, and put their hand up to be uh, part of the <laughs> sure, project. Yeah. So it was, it was really great to kind of hear that passion and that energy around the concept. But they had really solved a lot of the issue before they came to us. And again, that's an, that becomes a no-brainer when you see people that can get under the skin of your brand and your challenge without even having a conversation. And so they had uh, a concept around men on the table the first time they met with us. And this is in the pitch process. This is before we had actually even really talked about what the concept should be. And, uh, you know, when you hear an idea that you've thought about before, because as a brand, we talked about, you know, how do we always include men in the conversation? You know, we think strongly as this wave of female empowerment really takes um, momentum. Unless we bring men on the conversation, uh, it, it, it will fall or it will fail. And so... When they started to talk about this idea, it was something that had been on the table right at the beginning, but something that gained strength and energy around it as we went through the concepting process. So at, were, were other, any other directions brought to the table that you, were, that you yeah, saw? There, there were two others. Uh, one was around Period Garden, where this utopian menstrual garden was created <laughs> with a song. And it was a... It was really amazing and maybe something that I could see happening for us, you know, maybe five years down the line. And then there was another idea that was around comfort and it featured this woman and a man in a business suit in an elevator. And again, it was a great idea. And when we put uh, these three concepts into our uh, 
quantitative and qualitative test, um, both all three concepts came high in terms of level of distinction, uh, but menstruation as a concept uh, ranked higher relative to purchase intent. And uh, really we got to 58% uh, intent at the beginning, which was a really clear signal for us that this was the concept that we wanted to move forward with. Because at the heart of it, is this really about, since we're trying to create this comfort in society about talking about periods, it's really at its heart about getting men and women, or getting men comfortable hearing and talking about uh, periods in order to break down the taboos and break down the stigmas. Is that is that fair to say that really strategically the goal was we've got to get men comfortable? I mean, women, I think, are, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but is it fair to say that women are comfortable talking about periods with each other, but just not with men? Not, not yet. I would say that um, many women are comfortable talking about the topic, but the more work we do in this category, the more we realize that there's still a lot of work to be done. And, you know, we think about 50% of the world's population is impacted by periods. The other 50% don't have periods, but they live or are surrounded by people that do. And so we thought that a really great way to open up and expand the conversation was to bring men into it. And that's where the emphasis was on this specific campaign. What's great about it, and we'll, we're going to play the spot uh, within this conversation so people can hear about it, but it's, it's really about imagining a world where all of us uh, have periods, men included. And so it sort of zooms in on the idea of that. And uh, tell us about what your reaction was when you saw this concept first. I mean, because there's, there's humor in it and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's thought provoking, but it's also got, it's also humorous and sort of uh, funny. Yeah. I, again, it was, it felt like a very comfortable no brainer in terms of the strength of the concept. We did have some internal conversations as a feminist company. Does this feel right for us? Um, and again, we, we went around the table and we brought our team in and we talked about what that meant. And, you know, what we realized was that, again, it was about empowering everybody. Um, and then the, as a business, we have a job to do. We have a responsibility to get the word out there. And we, um, we were able to rationalize this direction based on that, that overall goal. Um, so that, that was kind of the start of it. So what was the sensitivity as a feminist organization? Highlighting men in such a uh, visible way as being the face of our brand in our first national campaign. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so the, you shoot this spot, uh, this piece of film, uh, does it run as a commercial or has, has it just run as a, as a film online? So the, the spot makeup is a series of vignettes where we imagine a world where men get periods and it opens with a young boy ask, telling his dad in the kitchen that he thinks he's, he's got his period. And then it goes into different scenarios where uh, women face every day looking for a tampon or, uh, you know, not having one at work when you want it or checking your genes to make sure that you haven't stained. And so, yeah, the, the idea came about this about this series of vignettes, but a really good example of how uh, we massaged this and how we really nuanced this was, you know, BBDO created the framework for this idea. But, you know, us as a brand and my team have a lot of the category and the consumer insights. So 
you know, certain vignettes that were presented at the beginning didn't feel quite right. So we worked with BBDO to really massage those vignettes so they felt like things that real customers have talked to us about and that we wanted to make sure that we felt that they felt represented and that it was honest in that way. Hey, Dad. Yeah, bud? I think I got my period. Thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna get Sorry. Uh, do you have a tampon? Uh, yeah. Thanks. Just part of growing up. Come here. Remind me, did that run as a, as a TV spot or did, was it all social? Yeah, it, it ran um, on TV for a period of eight weeks. And uh, as I said, we uh, had 30 and 15 second uh, spots uh, that ran across national uh, TV, many, six, at least 16 channels. Everybody I show it to, uh, it, it, just that, that first opening spot, a uh, first opening scene where the son approaches his father and basically says, uh, dad, I think I got my period. I mean, right away, men or women, that is the sort of explosive moment. And then it just works perfectly. The storytelling and the sort of mixing and matching of those vignettes is really so well done. So well done. I, I know. And again, that was really all BBDO's guidance, you know, working with my in-house creative team. But then also we had, uh, director Rachel McDonald, whose vision for the campaign really brought those vignettes to life in a way that felt real, but then also, you know, really enigmatic. You know, there's one scene where you see a guy in a in a in a in a locker room after a sports game, and he walks through with a tampon string showing. It's and, you know, so great. <laughs> many females have had that happen over and over again but just to see it in such graphic detail and then to really understand the context was is, was super exciting yeah for sure and you know for those who want to watch it um there's also a sort of a, the, the making of the uh, menstruation uh, film there's a video on youtube about that so it's really for for us for us in the industry it's so it's so uh it's so great and worth watching for sure this ad was banned. This film was banned as a commercial because of the hanging string scene in the, in the locker room, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we obviously got a lot of press when we put it out there first, but several of the uh, TV channels banned it because they said it wasn't family friendly. Uh, they um, weren't comfortable with showing a tampon in use, even though all you were seeing was the string. So what that did for us, again, it was just another opportunity to go back to the press to, to, to have these conversations say, you know, why in this day and age is it not um, acceptable to see a tampon string, which is literally a piece of white string. And, uh, and so that provided another huge peak in our, our press hits and our impressions. So, you know, we uh, started with a strong concept. 
we ran into some uh, juicy uh, challenges relative to getting it out there and we were able to leverage that again through our press and again um, what's great about all of this activity is it really always kind of ties back to our brand core values which is starting conversations breaking taboos and when you can keep your messages tight around your brand and you're continually reinforcing it like that it's it's obviously a really great thing to do you produce the campaign it 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 uh, it it gets released. Um, what what have you what what are you learning now between the issue of or the sort of dual issues you have to deal with, which is you got to get awareness up, but then you got to get conversion and behavior. Do were there certain tactics that you designed that were about changing behavior? Because there's a part of this that I think not only are maybe men talk uncomfortable talking about periods, but also I think probably some women, uh, maybe a lot of women are uncomfortable with the, with the product concept, although they love what the brand stands for. Are there sort of tactics that you guys have developed that, that are targeted towards dealing with behavioral change and ultimate conversion for those who are uncomfortable with that or a little unsure about the behavioral change? Yeah. So, uh, part of that is product education, which is a close step to launching this campaign. So we always imagined that after launching this campaign, which was very emotional in its essence, that we would really have to follow up with more functional messaging in order to help change behavior. And so uh, we, with digital advertising, spent a lot of time uh, following up with messaging re- relative to how it works how it works for you specifically, how to wash it, and all of the questions that people would have on potentially seeing or thinking about this brand for the first time. And so that's been a key initiative uh, coming out of that campaign and for 2020 as we really hunker down and think about you know, converting a lot of that awareness that we created um, by, by the campaign. And have you noticed when competitors have come out that they're taking a different sort of messaging strategy on it? Or, or, or what are you noticing? Any observations on what they're doing compared to what you've done? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're fairly distinct. There is a lot of copycat behavior. A lot of our visual equity has been used by competitors. Um, you know, I think right now, again, everything is so young that, um, and it's moving so fast that we don't pay too much attention to other people's uh, uh, brand campaigns so much, but I think that will change over time. Um, but you got to be paying attention to them. I mean, really, it's got it's got to be impossible not to as a curious marketer. I mean, well, I do feel that we have to pay attention to our SEO and bidding on specific terms. So we did notice that when we launched our campaign, that uh, our competitors were able to get a certain lift based on the chatter and the. Uh, searching around the topic at that time. Have you have you noticed that there's been in terms of uh, negative activism against uh, a brand? Are, have you noticed that anything has sort of been targeted against the category that more traditionalists may be sensitive to? We got a lot of both positive and negative sentiment uh, for this campaign, and um, it's really interesting as a behavior because. You know, with social media and the ability to comment on anything, you know, everybody is a critic and every, and you, you get a lot of trolls that follow you. And, um, you know, what was really interesting, and this is really 
a testament to the thinks community where you know if we saw a set of comments that suddenly sounded negative about a topic that we were talking about our community would come to our rescue and explain why we were taking a certain approach to different things so that's been really heartening to see where you know we don't have to step in all the time that other people can actually see through some of these comments and actually help write them can you share an example of 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 an issue that a troll is kind of leaning in on well you know when we talk about uh for people with periods we get a lot of uh women saying you know what are you talking about of course women only have periods and then you know some people are disgusted that we've been so inclusive with our language and some people feel that we're uh, taking away from the female right to own a period and uh, and and all of that comes with that. So, you know, we've seen a lot of negativity around that. And again, we our community just jumps in and they, they explain why we're taking this approach. Some people don't understand it. Sometimes it comes from a place of ignorance. Sometimes it comes from a place of simply um, that's not what they believe and, um, you know, that they're going to put that word out there. But, you know, again... I, I just think it's a sign of the times. It's not necessarily all about, you know, what we're saying. It's just how things are progressing and how communication is absorbed and how people react to it these days. Absolutely. So when you when you look ahead, Siobhan, where do you what what do you think is next for the brand in terms of its evolution and and where does the campaign go from here? So we would always continue on our mission to break taboos around periods and offer people with periods a better solution. But at the same time, we really need to hunker down and build our business. You know, we reached 55 plus million in revenue last year, um, but now we have much more ambitious plans. And so in order to do that, we really need to acquire new customers and then we need to convert people that are aware by changing this behavior. So that really leads us to really focus on product education. And so one of the things that we learned from our national campaign is that there was a gap in conversion. Even though it was a brand awareness campaign, we expected more uh, revenue attached to it and uh, we didn't see that. So uh, we are following up with a very rigorous project around uh, using video as a digital education tool and uh, testing within different digital audiences. Um, all of the topics that have come up through uh, our CX department and through social media on the questions that customers have, and we want to answer those. So that's a huge project for us right now. We, it's already well underway, and we're starting to see some positive results. So that's one thing. Um, another thing that we're doing is we're continuing to build out our community through word of mouth marketing and specifically focusing on moms, uh, knowing that we have a product for young people with periods. Uh, it's called Things Between, and we want to really leverage that. And then we're going to continue to expand in mass market and understand how we can live in mass. And that might mean us engineering a new product that is um, focused on a lower price point, but also can uh, be maybe potentially less of a barrier to to purchase on that initial goal at a mass level. When, when you mentioned uh, focusing on moms, why focus on moms? Is there, a, is there a dual reason for that? Yeah, because, you know, we talked about behavior change. And obviously for people who already have a regime, it is a behavior change. But think about young people that are starting 
and getting their period for the first time. They have no behavior to change. So obviously, um, thinking um, how these young people think, which is much more sustainably than, than generations beyond them have, um, how can we give them a better solution and start them from their very first period to become, uh, you know, uh, ambassadors for our brand and for our product um, in a way that feels totally natural and allows them to get around about their day and their activities in a much more comfortable way. What about the menstruation spot itself? Has it sort of run its course or, or does it have a, a new life as a piece of film or, or, is it, or is there a new film that might be coming out? Um, again, we're pivoting slightly from that given the product education piece, but we did use the campaign within our reminder campaign to basically bubble up those customers who had initially been targeted and we're retargeting them with digital ads. You know, I wouldn't say never because the idea is so big, it has a lot of legs. And I would say that potentially in some activations or some more event type situations, you know, we have lots of ideas on how to continue to expand that idea. So it's not going to die. It's just uh, we'll pause on that for a while and pause on something else and maybe we'll come back to it again. So let me ask you just as we close out here. Um, so you joined in 2017. Yeah. So as, as, a, as a marketer, what have you sort of learned from this campaign uh, that either frustrated you or challenged you or surprised you? Yeah. So I would say it's still possible to do a lot with a little. And, you know, we're very jaded and, you know, marketing and branding and campaigns have no, no heights these days. And you see huge budgets being poured into different initiatives by big brands. But BBDO really pulled in a lot of favors to help us get us this done on, on, a, on an incredibly small budget. And it really points to me that, you know, a smart concept with a brilliant creative will always shine. And I, 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 I think that goes back to my uh, training, you know, as a graphic designer uh, way back when I was in college. Um, it also, last week I was a judge at the Effies and I saw some most incredible creative campaigns on the smallest budgets. So it just reminds me that there's room to grow um, at any level as long as you have a really strong idea and that timing and context are always key and you really need to leverage that as well. And that's so tough for a lot of clients to understand the, the power of an idea and, and that, being, uh, that finding yourself or being willing to go to a place where you as a client feel a little uncomfortable, a little unsure, is the only place to be if you yeah. want to make a difference. The, the idea, I think, is an industry we've sort, of, we've sort of gotten distracted by the tactical channel and the engineering of marketing. And, I, and I, what I see myself, and, and, I, and I hope that many others see it, and I'm curious if you see it too, is that I think as an industry, we're, we're returning to the importance of the big idea and that the big idea just can't be big for big sake, but it has to be big, smart, and it has to have a degree of calculated risk in order to yeah. take us all to somewhere new. I agree. And, you know, I think we saw that um, we really understood the bigness of this idea when, you know, we saw the press reaction to this campaign. And again, for us, a brand who has grown up on, you know, earned media and really, you know, provoking conversation around our communications, um, it was so important for us to um, 
have that validation of that big idea because so many people were talking about it. You know, um, during October when we ran that specific ad, we had 326 press hits during that entire month. Um, we reached 234 million and that advertising value simply on press hits alone was worth 16.8 million. So um, that shows you the power of a big idea and how it can actually magnify and ripple outwards if it's strong enough. Keep, keep it going. It's great work. And it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes next. And Siobhan Lonergan, Chief Brand Officer at Thinks in New York City, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Fergus. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it was a great time. So thanks for joining us today. It was a great conversation. And we'll see you on the next episode.